Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, and chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. If you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a child to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart, keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, Seek wisdom, though it cost all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Alison, for reading. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. Uh, first, a disclaimer. Uh, I'm not preaching today or in this series because I'm wise, I'm not. <laughs> Quite the opposite. I would like to be wiser, uh, so I thought maybe preaching about it could help a bit. Uh, preparing a delicious meal uh, for yourself or for your friends or for the community has a lot to do with choosing the right ingredients. I always like talking to the providers of our community meals about you know, how they, they choose uh, what they're going to prepare for us. I'm always fascinated by the care that they, they put into it. Um, but it's not just the quality of the ingredients, right? Uh, um, you also have to know how to mix them together, how, what to do with the ingredients. Uh, but, but that's the topic for next week's uh, sermon. This week is about choosing the right ingredients. You know, the right kind of flour that you need for something, um, the right cut of meat, uh, the spices, the veggies that go well with each other, um, all those ingredients that give your favorite meal a good flavor. What are the ingredients that give a good flavor to life? According to our passage in the book of Proverbs, uh, 
I can find uh, three, three key ingredients that give life a good flavor. The first one is steadfast love and faithfulness. The second one is trust in the Lord as opposed to trusting in our own wisdom. And the third one is honoring God with our resources. It's three key ingredients to give life a good flavor. Steadfast love and faithfulness, trust in the Lord and not in, your, in ourselves, and honoring God with our resources. This sermon would be far too long to cover all these ingredients. Uh, so today I will only focus on, um, on steadfast love and faithfulness. Next week, when we talk about cooking, I will cover trust in the Lord. And in two weeks, when we talk about setting the table, I will cover honoring God with our resources. By the way, have you noticed that uh, the sermon series is organized uh, according to the different stages of preparing a meal? Uh, I hope you're not offended by it. It's a bit of a different way to arrange a sermon series. I thought it would be a good way to for us to remember uh, the the topic of the of of the series, but. Also, I wanted uh, to honor the, the way that wisdom literature works in the Bible. Wisdom literature is about the ordinary, about the daily things. So I thought, what more ordinary and daily and yet special than uh, cooking, than eating together? Um, so, yeah, the second week is about cooking. The third one is about setting the table. The fourth week will be about giving thanks before eating. The fifth one is actually eating together. And the sixth week will be about cleaning up after eating. I wanted to organize this series this way, uh, again, to honor um, uh, the way that wisdom literature works in, in the Bible. Uh, so let's uh, let's go back to to this. Um, before we talk about the key ingredients, verse one uh, tells us that we should not forget the ingredients. Okay, verse one: My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Last week, uh, we went to visit my mother-in-law in California. My kids love going to California uh, and getting spoiled by their uh, grandma, or Mormor, as we call her. Uh, <clears throat> they also love spending hours uh, in the swimming pool uh, in her retirement home or playing, yeah, playing cards with, with her. They like going to California so much that they have a whole playlist of songs about California. Uh, you know, Eagles, Tupac, and all this kind of stuff. It's a lot of fun. For me, the highlight about going to California is, uh, or include, uh, enjoying good Mexican food. Uh, the more authentic, the better for me, right? Uh, so um, that's, that's one of the highlights of going to California for me. But for my wife, it's different. Uh, she enjoys all these things too, of course, but for her, the trip is about reconnecting with her mom, uh, making sure that she's okay, and helping her in some of the things that Mormor cannot easily do by herself now. So this time, instead of coming back 
to Vancouver with us, uh, Susanna decided to stay with her mom a few more days. So I took on the challenge and uh, I spent a few days along with the kids here in Vancouver. And I got to be reminded, I was reminded of how much work it is to cook not just one meal, but every single meal, uh, every day. Well, full confession here, I don't cook as often as I should. So I thought, it's always better to learn in community. And I remember that the best way to learn something is to teach. That's why I decided that it was time to teach the kids how to cook. <laughs> <coughs> Mistakes were made. <laughs> Not just by me. For instance, despite uh, Andres's, my son's warning, when Sophia was making pancakes, which she usually makes really nice, uh, this time she used olive oil instead of butter. Uh, so what is delicious with salads doesn't taste as good in pancakes, as you can imagine. So that batch was not good. But as I was saying, I really wanted to focus on the importance of getting the ingredients, right? So as we thought about the ingredients, we learned that uh, in a lot of Canadian households, food goes to waste. Canada's 2.3 million tons of avoidable household food waste is equivalent to about 2 million cars on the road. That's how much food we waste. And this is not talking about the system, the whole system. It's just us at home. <clears throat> We often waste good food because we buy too much, because we don't plan our meals, uh, or we don't store food properly, correctly in the fridge. Uh, um, unavoidable food waste costs the average uh, Canadian household um, about $1,300 a year. Imagine what you could do with $1,300. The kids and I decided to check the freezer to make sure uh, we would use what we already had purchased instead of letting it just sit there forever. Then we went to do some grocery shopping. We got plenty of fruits and veggies, some meat and some vegetarian options uh, for Sophia. And uh, after grocery shopping, we rearranged the fridge so that the fresh fruit is more clearly visible and less likely to get forgotten. This was a a big reminder for me. Don't let ingredients, good ingredients, like love, faithfulness, and humbleness, don't let them become food waste in your life. In the same way, the, uh, the purchasing of food that is going to be wasted is bad for the environment, Doing Bible studies or listening to sermons about steadfast love, about faithfulness, about humbleness, but not using them is bad for discipleship. There, these are not just concepts. They are ingredients for a good life. We have to use them regularly. As we start our sermon series on wisdom, I'm looking forward to the many ways God will speak to us this year as a community and the many ways God will guide us this year. 
We're going to need a lot of wisdom this year. That is why I suggested uh, to Justin, our executive minister, that we should start 2024 with this sermon series on wisdom. Now, it might not seem like it at first glance, but uh, wisdom actually is a very important value in our society. This doesn't mean that wisdom uh, is all is uncorrupted, let's say. Um, it's like with money or sex, right? Uh, <clears throat> these good things get corrupted. Uh, and uh, they... Uh, and the same thing happens with wisdom. <clears throat> uh, so society gets many things wrong about them, but society does get many things right about these things. Um, the pursuit of wisdom is evident in many ways in society. There are countless books and podcasts about how to live a good life, a good and long life. Have you noticed? There's just plenty of that. I mean, I follow some of those podcasts myself. Just try to keep count of the TikTok videos that offer life hacks. It's fascinating. Uh, and you'll see the point that I'm making. Living a good and long life is also a concern in biblical wisdom literature. Look at verse 2. It talks about length of days and years of life. It also talks about peace that they will, uh, that they will add to you, these ingredients. right? So a good, a long life is a big concern in the wisdom literature of the Bible. So what should we do about these podcasts, these TikTok videos, these books, these reels? Um, should we just ignore them, toss them, uh, toss them aside? as something secular, irrelevant, or should we welcome them to the table? I think we should welcome them to the table with discernment. Uh, and I say this, um, as I say this, I want to draw your attention to a passage in the Gospel of Matthew when uh, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. In Matthew 23, uh, verse 34 to 35, it says, Jesus is saying, Therefore I send you prophets, sages, and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some of you you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. Jesus is speaking to uh, Pharisees with the understanding that prophets and priests spoke about things like the covenant uh, or the history of God's salvation, the history of God's relationship to Israel. Prophets and priests uh, talk about uh, holiness, purity, and worship. The sages, and did you notice Jesus talks about prophets, priests, and sages, okay? The sages were different, however. They hardly spoke about these things, covenant, you know, history of salvation, or, and worship, purity. They hardly spoke about those things, and they didn't appeal to the Torah, to the, to the scripture, for authority. They didn't claim to have a direct revelation from Yahweh, right? Like the prophets. You know how the prophet says, thus says the Lord? So the sages don't say that. They don't appeal to a revelation that they got. Unlike prophets and priests, priests, sages derive 
their understanding of God and life with God from what they see, from what they experience, as well as from what other people experience. They observe. It is important to recognize, uh, it's valuable for us to recognize the importance of sages uh, today. Uh, especially today, I would say, because we just celebrated an epiphany, right? When wise men from the East that had nothing to do with, with no, the people of God nevertheless come looking at the sky and they come in search of the newborn king, right? Uh, so it is imp- it's, that is a clue for us to value the wisdom uh, that we can find in society. Today's sages look at and ask hard questions about things like the climate. Today's sages reflect on the dynamics at the workplace. Um, They might do it in popular culture, or they might do it in uh, academia, or they might do it through the arts. Uh, Some sages, for instance, and I was just uh, reminded of this as as Alison was reading, some sages, um, for instance, will ask questions about who gets to speak more in a classroom? You know, men or women, or how, why? Uh, those are the questions that sages will ask. Um, <clears throat> sages can challenge, challenge us to reflect on the life topics that are precious to us, such as friendship, poverty and wealth, diligence, laziness, uh, speech, you know, things like gossip, slander, truth-telling, and other things uh, that are core to our life, uh, such as marriage and family. Uh, I want to uh, throw an invitation your way here. Uh, please, um, if you can make it, come to the complimentary class that I will be offering about wisdom literature. There's so much more to be said about wisdom that cannot fit in one sermon. Uh, But um, on January 15th, in the evening, we're going to have a a session about specifically um, wisdom literature. We're going to do it here at Central Presbyterian. And if you're not part of a connection group, this is a good time to join a connection group. Um, We're working with Rebecca. uh, We're collaborating to produce a study guide that will help groups get 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 a better grasp on the meaning of wisdom. So, yeah, come to that extra session on January 15, or uh, join a connection group. Uh, let's, let's study this a bit more seriously, shall we? Okay. In the Bible, wisdom is understood in two levels, okay? And with this, I will wrap the about wisdom part of the sermon. Uh, with wisdom, in the first level, is uh, some sort of skill, you know, a know-how, an expertise, um, that word is used for when, um, for instance, when God uh, gives wisdom to the artist to finish the uh, wisdom and skill to to the artist to finish the tabernacle. Okay. Uh, but the second level of meaning of wisdom um, builds on the first one, <clears throat> but it expands on it and includes a living life as a whole with expertise, living life well. Um, it also presents wisdom as a path, not so much as a destination, 
Okay, uh, so you can check on Proverbs 2, 9, 2, 20, 4, 11. Uh, so wisdom as a path that we all have to walk through. Because if it's reduced to a destination, then some, some people might think, oh, I've reached there. I'm wise now. And that's where hubris or pride comes in, which is the opposite of wisdom. Okay, So <clears throat> to the ingredients of a good life. The ingredient that I really wanted to talk about today was steadfast love and faithfulness. The word that we read as steadfast love is chesed in Hebrew. Translators um, use different combinations of words uh, to help us understand the meaning of this word, chesed. Um, chesed is mostly a divine quality. And the options for translating this uh, word are loving kindness, steadfast love, uh, mercy, unfailing love, um, or faithfulness. Hesed describes God's consistent behavior towards us. Hesed, loving kindness, unfailing love, mercy, steadfast love, again, has a sticky quality to it. Okay, it is unfailing, it is persistent. It doesn't live on a whim. Also, God's loving kindness is freely given. No individual and no community can force his set out of God. Proverbs 3.3 is inviting us to two things then. First, to enjoy God's said towards you. It's sticky. It's after you. It won't leave on a whim. Enjoy it. Enjoy God's steadfast love towards you. And the second thing that this verse is calling us is to show this has said to others. The way, do you remember the book of Ruth? The way Ruth sticks to Naomi and says, don't ask me to leave you. Because your God will be your God, your people will be my people. To display that character to others. That's, what, that's the correct use of this ingredient. As I said before, let's not let ingredients like steadfast love, faithfulness, humbleness become food waste in our life. They are bad. It is bad for discipleship when it becomes uh, food waste, when they become just concepts. Now, chapter 4, the following uh, passage that we read. This passage um, captures very well uh, three important themes in the whole book, in the whole book of Proverbs. First, the incomparable value of wisdom, which is repeated several times in the book of Proverbs. Get wisdom no matter what. This is about life and death. Get wisdom. It's more important than anything. That's the first point. The second point of chapter 4 is wisdom is passed on from generation to generation. A while back, one of my kids said to me, I won't say which one, but so one of my kids looked at me and said, isn't it? 
crazy. That was a word, actually. Isn't it crazy how long you've lived? (laughs) (laughs) But how long you still have to live? Now we're like, huh, you're right. (laughs) Yes, it is pretty crazy, right? Uh, I have watched, um, just to give you an idea, I... uh, have you watched a movie called Back to the Future? Okay, Back to the Future. The plot of the movie is basically about this guy that travels 30 years uh, into the past, right? So from 1985, which is when the movie was released, to 1955, okay? That's the plot of the movie. Now, if Back to the Future was set today, okay, in 2024, that guy would uh, travel back to 1994. I was already in high school in 1994, okay? In fact, that was one of the most significant years of my life Um, because Bolivia played the first game of the, the inaugural game of the 1994 World Cup in the USA against Germany. Uh, The Germans got lucky, they they, they won won nothing, sorry. But, but yeah, it was, it was a massive year for us, you know, to celebrate that, Bolivia in the World Cup. It was incredible. And uh, to qualify to that World Cup, we defeated Brazil for the first time. Sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> Anyhow, my point is, I have been very blessed. I have lived, worked, and studied in different countries and learned many things. Uh, but I am aware that there is so much more to learn still. It's crazy how long I lived. How long I have to live. I look at my parents and I hope I'm humble to learn some of their wisdom. Uh, And I look at the younger generations and I hope that I'm humble enough to pass on some of the wisdom without imposing on them my preferences and my priorities. But you know, I was also reminded that this generation to generation sometimes works the other way too. I was, um, I was trying to teach my kids something about you know, taking care of their bodies. And then my son said, but dad, you don't do that. Uh, you keep running when you're injured. And I'm like, oh, okay. So no, I've, I've stopped. I'm recovering. Um, so yeah, we have to be humble to listen. Because wisdom goes actually sometimes uh, the other way. This is one of my absolute, absolute favorite things about being part of a church like FBC. Sometimes I see seniors and young men and women volunteering together and conversations begin. These conversations about things uh, like life, career, family, uh, these conversations are precious. We are a diverse community, and we should treasure that. This is the way of the kingdom of God. I absolutely love that about us. The third theme uh, in chapter 4 is uh, the most confusing and often is the most overlooked theme in wisdom. Verse 7 says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. It's confusing. Whatever you get, 
get insight as an explanation. At first glance, this doesn't make sense. How can the beginning of wisdom be to get wisdom? But I think I know what the problem is, or I have a, a theory. We often separate, too often separate, theory from practice. And on top of that, we prioritize theory over practice. Even, we do that even in our Christian life. We often think about discipleship in terms of content or knowledge. Of course, I love getting and sharing knowledge. I have been a teacher for most of my professional life. Um, but wisdom is about the path we walk. The loving kindness, the faithfulness, the trust, and the humbleness with which we relate to our neighbors. That's what wisdom is about. This is what Jesus is talking about in Luke 7.35 when he tells the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that wisdom will be proved right by all her children. Pay attention. Children learn to walk by walking. We learn to love by loving. We learn to, to play an instrument by playing it. Of course, there is knowledge involved. There is theory involved. But you can't wait until you have all the knowledge before you start walking, before you start loving, before you start playing an instrument. You will sound horrible for a while until you don't, until you sound really good. This is going to be a historic year for us as First Baptist Church. After four years of being a church without a home, in, 2000, in 2024, we will move into a brand new but also very old building. How many of you have been part of First Baptist Church for less, less than four years? Okay, some of us. Uh, I ask that because some of us deep, may have deep, meaningful connections with our building, with the old building. You know, our families grew up there. Maybe we had mem held memorials or funerals for loved ones there. Perhaps you volunteer in those spaces. You serve in those spaces for many years. Perhaps you became a Christian in that building. There is something beautiful about that. On the other hand, some of us uh, may have joined this family only recently, you know, in the last couple years. And we may have no experience, no real experience with that building, with that old building, or, or how things used to work there. For you, First Baptist is about the relationships, the itinerant ministries that we do now. And there is something beautiful about that too. The point is that all of us together are going to experience an unforgettable historic year in 2024 as a community. 
I don't know if you have had the experience of moving houses, you probably have, or moving cities, moving countries. When you do that as a family, uh, you experience those times as very exciting times for the whole family, but they're also very demanding and exhausting times. We as a church are going to experience something similar. So we're going to need a lot of grace with each other. But we're also going to need a lot of wisdom. But guess what? God will deliver time and time again. He is faithful. Remember his said, sticky. God will give us his wisdom as we practice steadfast love and faithfulness. God will give us his wisdom as we trust in the Lord with all our hearts. I know we will do this imperfectly, but let's do it nevertheless. God will give us his wisdom as we refuse to be wise in our own eyes. God will give us his wisdom as we honor him with our resources. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.